being in the arts as an ADHD person, we need something that engages us, right? And then like you were talking about, you can go for hours until your fingers are hurting just doing that thing. Uh, I'm the same way with with performing, with acting. When I get like really invested in a role, it's like you cannot shake me out of it or, or singing. Like that is what makes me feel alive. ADHD Rewired episode 343. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we mention on today's show. You can support us on Patreon, sign up for our email newsletter, you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups, and you can learn all about our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups. You can do all of this at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. Today's guest is Sarah Guise. Sarah is an actor, teacher, artist, director, audiobook narrator who grew <laughs> up in San Antonio, Texas, but recently moved, I guess in 2013, to Chicago, where she's been living and working there ever since. She holds a BFA in acting from the University of Southern California and in 2013 received the LA Weekly Best Actress Award for her performance in the Bella of Belfast. Did I say that right? The Bell of Belfast. The Bell of Belfast. As soon as I said Bella, I'm like, mm, I don't think I said <laughs> that right. Um, she is currently a company member with Interrobang Theater Project and the <laughs> New American Folk Theater. Uh, recently, we have a lot of credits here. So uh, the <laughs> recent theater credits include Out of Love in 2019, Fourth Loyal in 2018, Swimming in the Shallows 2015, uh, and Dark of the Moon 2014. Her performance in the Terrible Theater Project's production of the one-woman show, The Amish Project, in 2016, was nominated for Best Solo Performance at the 2017 Joseph Jefferson Awards. In addition to her work in theater, she has appeared in several web series, films, and commercials. She is also a voiceover artist, having narrated over 30 audiobooks. She also has a podcast called... <laughs> The ADHD Artist, which explores and celebrates the lives of artists with ADHD. And you can find the podcast where, where will you find this one? Sarah, <laughs> that was quite a uh, an, an intro and a bio. And you're, you're like a professional, real deal uh, professional <laughs> here in the arts. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, I'm glad that you are here. Uh, we were going to do this in person, but then uh, since you are in Chicago, but then yesterday you thought that you might have potentially been exposed to someone with COVID, so you weren't taking any chances. So uh, no chances. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is our new normal, isn't it? It's like <sighs> we can't we can't be too careful. Yes. Um, and I'm not going to be. I'm just not going to be that person that's like, ah, it's whatever. Yeah, so. I don't. I don't <laughs> understand that person. <laughs> yep. All right, so let's let's talk a little bit about your your history here. Um, you were diagnosed when you were a kid. You said around eight years old, right? Yeah, second grade. So I I think that was eight years old. I've been saying eight years old, so I hope that's I don't, I don't know. Maybe you might be you've been rewriting your own history, but that's what right. It is. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, everything changed because I was nine. Uh, <laughs> um, and so what what do you remember about about uh, growing up uh, with ADHD? So yeah, I was diagnosed young. I remember that. Part of the reason was I I was just I was a very loving kid and I would get very excited and uh, I kept I would like hug my friends while we were supposed to be standing quietly in line, um, uh, kind of burst out in class um, and. Uh, the main, the main thing that I remember very specifically, cause you know, I was so young, like I don't remember a lot of the details, but so we would take these math tests, right? And they were speed math tests and there would be equations, multiple, multiplication, uh, addition, subtraction, that kind of thing. And, um, 
it would be across, like there would be like eight problems across and then there would be, let's say eight rows of them, right? And so they'd say, go. And you'd, you're, you're supposed to go across all the way, all the way across, all the way across and keep going down. And my way of doing them was I'd be like, you know, I really like this bottom corner one. I think I'm going to start there and then I'm going to go to the middle and then do the ones next to it because those look like the ones that I kind of feel the most interested in doing. And so you would, <laughs> you'd have every other kid in the class that would do these math tests um, linearly and mine would look like an art project. <laughs> and uh, my teacher was like, that's not, you know, the point of the exercise is, is to go you know, in order. So you can't skip around. And I was like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't appeal to me. Um, <laughs> I would be like, why? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, here you go. This is this great art piece. And my brain is working in this odd way. You should be fascinated anyways. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, then I was, I was diagnosed um, and was put on uh, Ritalin for a while. And I remember being really, ashamed and freaked out. And I didn't really understand why. Um, I mean, it's hard to explain to an eight-year-old, but it's also, I, I think back in the 90s, they had less ways to to explain it than they do now, probably. Um, so I, you know, I, I think I remember having a big issue with them giving me my medicine at lunch. Cause I was like, well, what will all the other kids think? What? I can't just go to lunch with them. I have to be, I have to go to the nurse's office. Like, I don't want that. No, thank you. But I did it. And my teachers were thrilled. I became like a total teacher's pet and they were, were very happy and my grades improved and all that. So I guess it worked for a while. What was the conversation like with your family around ADHD? I don't think that they understood it. I think that the doctor was adamant about this and like gave examples for my mom and my mom was convinced that I had it. I mean, I, I did have it. <laughs> and uh, obviously, because now I still do. Um, and so I think they were just kind of following doctor's orders and saying, you know, this is this is what we have to do. Um, when I asked them about it now, um, they, yeah, they, they basically just go back to, that's what the doctor said that, that you needed. And it, and it did help for a while, I guess. So, yeah. So were you always kind of a creative kid? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was performing in this little uh, performance group uh, ever since I was, oh my gosh, since I was around that age, I would say, through all through elementary school. Um, I loved that. I loved, um, I loved dancing. I loved singing ever since I was born, basically. I came out dancing and singing and uh, making art projects um, of any kind was yeah it's always it's always just kind of been in in my blood which mm. which is funny cuz my dad's an accountant and my mom <laughs> my mom is the antithesis been, of, our, of our creative exactly you know. exactly and my mom was like a like a project manager so it, she had done some plays in high school but they were just like what is this what is this child <laughs> she's so creative so when you went for your, uh, to, to college, um, what was, was there a discussion about? Cause did you go right into the arts going to school? So I did. So actually it started a little earlier than that. Um, because I went to an arts high school. It was a magnet school for, for performing arts. So I had been very involved in choir and then my in eighth grade uh, theater. And then I auditioned to get into the school and then spent those four years focused on musical theater. Um, and pretty much was, I was pretty sure from an early age that I wanted to go to college for uh, something performance related. And I had parents that were supportive of that, which mm. is not, not every case. What, it's just, it really isn't. Is. I, I know. And I, I think about that all the time. I was so privileged to have parents that were like, sure. Yeah. You have so much talent. Go become an artist. <laughs> it's so interesting. To, I mean, it's one of the, the things I've thought about. Um, so kind of recently I was, I was kind of reexamining some stuff and 
Um, the idea of going to school for, you know, for music um, just seemed mm-hmm. like something that like other people get to do, but that's not something I get to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's unfortunate. I mean, because I think part of it was there was like, well, since I don't know how to read music, how can I go to, you know, how can I go to college, you know, for, for music? Because uh, right. I was very, very close to actually dropping out of college just to mm. play music. Like that's. Um, cause I was like this, my, my, my freshman year, I'm like, this studying thing isn't working out so well. Um, this is like right before I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and that, you know, the one thing I could do for hours and hours and hours until my, every muscle in my body ached was play piano. Right. Um, and so it's just, it's wonderful to hear that when someone who has, um, all this sort of creative, uh, potential actually is able to pursue that, um, yeah. through the support of a family. Yeah. Uh, I mean, definitely. I, I was very lucky, um, in that and, you know, that I had like the talent to actually get into the schools. Um, that was definitely working, working for me. Um, but now there's, you know, I think there's a lot of, of belief in it. And I think this, the, the evidence is, it's mixed on whether does being does having ADHD actually make you a more creative person, right? I, I've seen, I mean, like from any sort of intuitive level, it makes sense that, like, yeah, of course. But it, we mm-hmm. got to be careful about saying, yeah, of course, right? Like, I'm, I hear like that, you know, most you know entrepreneurs have ADHD. Like, are we sure about that? Like, mm-hmm. I think this is one of those things that people just pass out, like people say and repeat, and it becomes we truth. just assume, right, right, or it's like. Yeah. Wait, do we really know if this is true or not? But, you know, so I look at, at, at the differences between someone who is an artist or a musician or a singer and someone who is a professional in these mm. uh, in these uh, capacities. Yeah. Um, and in the role of being a professional, like it's not always fun. Like it takes discipline sometimes and hard work and it's not yeah. just not every moment is not like a, an explosion of new ideas and creativity and how is that for you that's a great question and i'm really glad you asked um so yeah being in the arts as an adhd person we need something that engages us right and then like you were talking about, you can go for hours until your fingers are hurting just doing that thing. Uh, I'm the same way with with performing, with acting. When I get like really invested in a role, it's like you cannot shake me out of it or or singing. Like that is what makes me feel alive and I'm addicted to it. I can't stop. But on the other hand, when you make the choice uh, to become a professional, it is not that. It is, in fact, as an actor, most of my job is auditioning. And auditioning is, I mean, some people love it, but it you're essentially going into job interviews constantly. All the time. And and it's and this, oh my gosh, this industry and music too, like a lot of the artists industry, they're very competitive. Um and it is uh it's grueling and it is full of rejection. So you are constantly being told that you're not good enough, not skinny enough, not, um, not pretty enough, not smart enough, all these things. Uh, and, and that's part of it. So as someone with ADHD, while I think that that contributes to me being good at what I do, it also it's just not that simple. It's, it's so, it's so hard. And I really realized that when I went to college, because when I went to school in, in high school, I went to an art school, which was amazing. I went for musical theater and, and I did that all the time, but it was also in San Antonio, Texas. And, um, and it, even though it was a great school, it's not as competitive there. It may, it may be now, but it, it wasn't, it certainly wasn't when I was going there. Then I went to school in Los Angeles. And man, was that a shocker. It was like, oh, I have, I've got this talent. I have to share this gift, right? And I got there to this training program and it was like, forget all you knew, forget all you thought you knew, take your ego out of it. It's not about like performing and impressing people. And like, it's about, it's, it's like, there's so much more to it. 
And it was a shocker for me. That first semester of freshman year was a nightmare um, for so many reasons. What what, was it just like the way like uh, critique was given? Was it like, is there more almost like politics and kind of gaminess involved in like, what, what was it that, that was just a shocker? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a combination of a lot of things. It was, um, the culture shock of moving from San Antonio, Texas to Los Angeles, California. Uh, that was a big one. Um, I also, I left all my friends. I had a long distance boyfriend from high school uh, that I was trying to stay with. And then also in high school, you have structure and you get to college. And while my BFA program did have some structure, it there was just so much chaos and there were so many new people that from all different walks of life that I was trying to adjust to. And it was so overstimulating. And honestly, I could, I couldn't figure out my medication situation. Mm. That was what, and I, I think that I was on it kind of on and off in high school. Um, but when I got to college, I was like, I can't, I could not figure out how to, you, I mean, you cannot just take it in the morning and have it go all day when you have an eight o'clock academic class, 8 a.m., academic class. And then at night you have a rehearsal from 6 to 10 PM. Mm. What are you supposed to do? I mean, it's going to wear off. And, and for me, it was also with acting, it was like that consistency of like, okay, well, if you're going to take medication before you're performing, then you need to always take medication before you're performing. If you're not, then you need to not, uh, because otherwise you're, it's just, it, it's very straining for my brain. And I was on Adderall at this point and Adderall, um, Adderall really, uh, messed me up Hmm. for a bit. I got, I think I got addicted. Uh, I say addicted. I think I abused it a bit. I didn't really understand it. I didn't have the people in my life that were able to explain it to me. And also, okay, think about this, like in college. I don't know if you had this experience, but I got to college and told someone in confidence that I had ADHD, uh, like the first week, right? Um, Someone that I had just met and I like was, I trusted them. And, uh, and I guess they knew I had medications. I got a voice message about two weeks into college when I'm a freshman from an upperclassman, a guy who was considered like really cool, um, you know, really cool. And he was a great actor and, and all that. Um, he left me a voicemail saying that he was feeling sick and he had to do a show and had heard through the grapevine that I had uh, Adderall. Uh, and he just told this one person. I just told this one person. And so um, a, a few things happened. I I flipped out because I was like, okay, first of all, he's like a cool upperclassman. I don't want this whole school to know that I have ADHD and that I have to take medication for it and all that. Second of all, am I like, am I drug dealing? And I, I will tell you that I did not. I, t- I made up some excuse. I was like, no, I, I actually don't get um, Adderall. I'm out, I'm out or something. <laughs> but I was horrified. Um, And so there was, there was that on top of um, just trying to structure my days and, and yeah, it was, it was a, it was a difficult time. So I want to kind of dive in a little bit more to um, sort of how you uh, manage and navigate your medication. Cause I think, especially when you are performing and it's different hour, you know, these sort of the the typical uh, approach to medication take at the same time, you know, every day. Right. Mm -hmm. But when your performances are sometimes late in the evening, like that doesn't really work. So I want to learn a little bit more about how kind of you manage that. But before we do that, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. 
Support for ADHD Rewired comes from ADHD Rewired's coaching community, which includes our coaching and accountability groups and our alumni membership community. If you are new to the podcast and you are looking for help and support around your ADHD, come to coachingrewired.com to learn more about our innovative coaching and accountability groups. Recognized at the 2019 International Conference on ADHD as one of the innovative programs of the year. We meet three times a week for 10 weeks. This group is intense. And when you join ADHD Rewired's coaching community, you start in our coaching and accountability groups, which is kind of like our boot camp. And then we continue to provide support if you stay a member in our membership community for our alumni. There's lots of things that we have going on. It is a thriving community. And I want to encourage you to learn more about it by going to coachingrewired.com. Fall sessions are starting this week and we are full, but get your name on the list to get an invitation to join us for our winter coaching sessions. Registration is by invitation only. Go to coachingrewired.com and click on that red button there at the top of the page and add your name to our list so we can send you an invitation later this fall. Learn, grow, and connect with ADHD Rewired Coaching. Go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. It is ADHD Awareness Month, and in true ADHD fashion, I have prepared nothing special for ADHD Awareness Month this year. But if you have been appreciating this podcast for some time and you find value in it, one of the ways that you can show that you find value in this podcast is by supporting us on Patreon. Go to ADHDrewired.com and click on the Patreon tab at the top of the page. If you're not sure what Patreon is, think about it like the NPR model for podcasts. You can keep listening. You're going to continue to get podcasts. But if you really find value in it, and it makes a difference in your life and you know how good it feels to give a couple bucks each month or you're in it for the perks, which we do have. And our top perk at the $25 a month level is you can take part in a monthly coaching call that we do on the fourth Tuesday of the month. And our next one is on Tuesday, October 27th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. You get perks at every level starting at $5 a month. And we appreciate all of your support because while this podcast is free to you, the listener, this podcast is not free to produce. So I want to say thank you for what I'm doing for the podcast. Great way to do that is to become a patron. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon, or just click the Patreon tab at the top of our website. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. And thanks. We are back with Sarah, guys. And all right, so you had this uh, this upperclassman uh, hunk of a guy who was uh, <laughs> who heard the grapevine that you're that you got uh, the study pills, right? And you're like, mm-hmm. "What? The no? I I made up some excuse because I didn't know what to say." And um, but so that must have been really must have felt violating. Yeah, it did. It did feel um, violating, and I became more and more ashamed, and mm-hmm. I then kept it more and more to myself, that I had ADHD, that I was potentially taking medications. Um, and I, I even tried to go to like, uh, they had this support group for uh, on campus that I went to secretly. I didn't tell anyone I was going and, and I went to it, but it was also, it was combined. It was um, people with autism, Asperger's and ADHD. And I... I just, it was helpful a little bit, but I was also like, I don't, I don't know. This doesn't feel like right for right, me. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, I was desperate to like, to talk to someone. And at the same time, I was so ashamed and I couldn't talk to anyone. Mm. 
So something that you shared with me um, when we first spoke was there is a, a real actual stigma about talking about ADHD. And, and to go back to what, kind of what I was saying earlier, I think there's a sort of just like assumed um, uh, like, yeah, you know, most most actors and people in, mm-hmm. in, in you know, the creative profession, like, yeah, there's tons of ADHD there. But you're, you're saying that there's actually a lot of stigma around that people don't really talk about it. Can you Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, right. So you'd think like we're ADHD, we're creative. So there's got to be a lot of uh, people with ADHD that um, that are professionals. And there are, um, you know, we all have ADHD tendencies. Uh, I think a lot of artists, um, a lot of artists that have started listening to my podcast, I've had them be like, yeah, I was listening and I thought, do I have ADHD? And I was like, okay, I need to do an episode about, about that. Um, because it can be kind of hurtful when you're like, oh yeah. So, so everyone has ADHD. Cause then you're like, okay, so you don't think it's a thing because I suffer through this. I think about this every second of my life, Mm. every single day. And I've created strategies to, to deal with it. Um, so if you lose your keys a couple times, um, it's just called being human. Right. Or like, and we live in such a distracted world, don't we? I mean, it, everything is distracting. So yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. Something, something important, something profound. <laughs> uh, I think we were going with that was, um, talking about the stigma. The stigma. Yeah. The stigma. Yeah. Yeah, that's a win. If we, if we played like drinking games of how, like how often, like we lose track and then like make it back, like oh, yeah. everyone should take a drink. Yeah, unless you unless you don't drink and then you know, <laughs> drink water. Yeah, if you can if you can release some of the anxiety around like saying, "Oh, I forgot where I was going," uh, because the great thing we do is we cover it up, right? We're like, "Ah, oh, yeah," and then I definitely meant to go on this tangent. Um, <laughs> I, I love so. when I'm in the middle of like, something <laughs> lyric in mid sentence. I'm like, I have no idea where I was going with that or why right. I was even saying that. It's but gone. it was probably it was probably brilliant, brilliant and I'm sorry you profound. missed out on that brilliance. <laughs> Life changing. <laughs> yeah. We'll never know. It's it's off in the clouds. But but yeah, the stigma. So I think I have had a lot of trouble finding other people, other artists that speak openly hmm. about having ADHD. It's just, I guess. I don't know. I, I think there's there's a lot of reasons for that. I think there's a lot of shame around it. There's also this idea, I'll share this. I mean, I feel vulnerable sharing it, but I feel like it's important because other people will relate to it. Um, I don't want people to watch me on stage and think, oh, she got distracted just then. Oh, I don't want I don't want people to to look at me and say, um, oh, well, she's, she's not really focused. She's, she's an unfocused person because I, I am amazing at focusing. That's the weird thing is that they say like, oh, people with ADHD can't focus. We, I am the best focuser I know <laughs> because I work so hard at it. And it's more about harnessing that focus, harnessing that attention. And once I'm in it, you cannot shake me out of it. <laughs> well, and, and I would imagine that, that, that holds true for things that you're highly interested in. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, which happens to be, you know, performing, um, the creative, creative stuff. Um, so, so one of the reasons I made this podcast is when I was back in college and couldn't find any artists to talk to about this, uh, all that I wished that I had was some role models Mm. to look up to, maybe celebrities or, or other people whose brains were like, mine and they were thriving. But if you're doing well, you know, if you're doing well with ADHD, if you're successful, why talk about it? Right. You know, it's so interesting too. And you said that, that, you know, when you're performing, what you didn't want is for people to be wondering if there was a moment where you got distracted. And it's so, Mm -hmm. because it's, I mean, I, when I guess like when I am giving presentations, it's a form of performing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I never think about the actual giving of the presentation as like a where I'm like worried someone is going to think that I got distracted or like cause if I, I guess because if I get distracted, I just call myself out on it. And then it's it's like, a, and this is what it looks like where yeah. I get, um, get I get a little bit, I guess, in my head about it is it's those conversations I have afterwards with people. 
where mm-hmm. like I was just fully on in my element, like doing my thing. Like it does feel like a performance, right? Yeah. And then you get into the conversations and your brain is just like, at least for me, it gets kind of mushy. And then I have like yeah. no idea, like what was he, what are you even talking about? Um, so I don't yeah. know. Like, so that's it's interesting that your concern is about the performance though. Yes. Well, okay. Let me, let me, uh, be clear though. So what you're talking about is exactly what I experience when I'm doing an actual performance of a show. So there are very few times when I'm on stage, when you see me actually performing, uh, where I space out where I, where I lose focus because I am in it. I have done the work. I am so immersed in it that you won't, you, I am, what you're going to see when you watch me on stage is someone who is incredibly present, right? Where I have issues is in rehearsals, in auditions, that sort of thing, right? So, uh, so, or, or like a class. So for college, it was a class because, what can happen at any moment when you're doing scene work in a class is the teacher could be like, uh, let's stop and go back to this point. Try this. And you're like, okay. And, and, uh, and then you're thinking about the teacher and you're trying to take the teacher's note and, and all that. So, so it, it's, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is right. When you're in the performance, when you're in the zone, there's no getting you out of that. Right. Like just try, just try and take my focus away from me. Uh, What about when you're getting like ready for a show? So I have a very specific routine. Um, Talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Routine process. um, And every actor, I think most actors will tell you they have a process. Um, If they don't, they're lying. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or or just like they just don't realize that this is a process that they go through. Right. It, that's exactly like they don't call it a process necessarily because um, they don't I don't know there's there's also this stigma about being like a method actor you know I'm not a method actor I just do the work and and uh, yeah all kinds of stuff uh, in that but yeah so my process um, mostly it has to do with um, getting myself to be present focusing on one thing right? So focusing, so mindfulness meditation changed my whole life and, and probably my career. Um, I, I first discovered it, um, uh, in LA when it it was UCLA, um, USC's rival, (laughs) I should say, um, put out these meditations, these mindfulness meditations that I highly recommend. I still use them today. And it's all about coming back to your breath and Mm -hmm. having all these these external thoughts, you know, like distractions and having those exist while you come back to the breath. So before every single performance I do, and really any like even interviews, like I, I will come back to the moment so that even if the craziest thing happens while I'm performing, I can, I've trained myself to refocus. So that's important. I also, um, I really clicked into Linklater work. Um, uh, there's, uh, so, uh, Kristen Linklater, um, is, she's a woman that developed, there's, there's all kinds of stuff out there on this. So I don't, I don't want to, um, butcher it, but, uh, but essentially it's, it's getting, getting this presence into your body and and dealing with your emotions through your body so it's like some chakra work and like moving around um and kind of saying how am i doing today but how am i really doing today how, what am i thinking about what could possibly come up for me that i need to deal with now so that i don't have to deal with it later when i'm on stage and i'm exposed and i have to be doing something else so that's really helpful for me. And it also is a nice body warm up. I don't do that before every performance. Like if I'm just going to sing a song, um, I don't necessarily have to do that. But if I'm doing like a, a play, I absolutely do. Have you ever been performing, at least in your professional career, where you mm-hmm. totally just like blanked? Totally. Yeah. Could you, could you- Tell, yeah. Tell, tell the story. Uh, yeah. Back in high school, I was, oh my gosh, I remember this moment and, and my stomach dropping, <laughs> uh, where I was playing, I was in King Lear and, uh, I was playing Goneril and it was this big moment, this big emotional moment when I'm like screaming at the person playing my father and it just, it was gone. 
the the words were just gone. And I had this moment where I like, I'm sure it would be fascinating to like, I wish I had a video or something of it. Cause I, I think I just kind of turned, went inward, said something to like get by. And then I thought of it and then I, and then I kept going. It, it was, <laughs> but it was horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully everyone on stage played along. Uh, what what was the experience afterwards? Well, it was, well it, it, the thing is, it was a monologue, so nobody could really like jump Arr. in and, and like cover <laughs> cover for me. And I honestly don't because I asked people afterwards, and and they didn't think that I I blanked. I don't know that they noticed. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, maybe they did. Maybe they were just being nice. Uh, but but yeah, and and that I go over my lines all the time because yeah. I don't want that to happen. I don't want, cause, cause then when you, when you forget your line, then you get in your head and you start thinking about, oh my God, I forgot my line. Oh my God. I always forget my lines. Oh my gosh. I am a terrible actor. Oh my gosh. No one's ever going to hire me again. They're all going to think I'm stupid. And then that is way more distracting. You were from... absolutely homeless, crack addicted. Right. And, uh... right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so that's not actually going to be helpful when I'm on stage. How about we just take a breath and jump back in, you know, um, which is really hard. And, and it's, it's taken a while for me to, to learn how to do that, but I'm, but I've gotten much better at it. <laughs> what I want to do is take a, take a breath and uh, take a break and when right. we come back. I want to uh, talk about sort of the, the, um, the focus of your current theater, uh, company, mm, sure. um, around using, was it, uh, things that are rare, relevant, relevant and raw. And raw. Yeah. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back. We will jump into that. Hey, if you are new to this podcast, we wanted to make sure that you are aware of two other podcasts that we have here on the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. The first one is Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb. Will is continuing his series on giving yourself some slack. This week's episode, which dropped yesterday, is called Perfectly Imperfect. Hacking Your ADHD are short. They're about 15 minutes. They are kind of like audio blogs. Go check them out at hackingyouradhd.com or you can subscribe on the very app you are listening to this podcast on. Also, if you are looking for conversations with parents, educators, teachers, therapists to help the young humans around ADHD, go check out ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan. Both podcasts are part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, available to everyone, everywhere you consume podcasts. And you can join me and the hosts of Hacking Your ADHD and ADHD Essentials every second Tuesday of the month for an hour of live Q&A. And for our next live Q&A, which is coming up on October 13th, we may be introducing a new podcaster that's going to be part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. We got some new things coming up. And if you want to find out what that is sooner than later, come join us live. To register for our live Q&A where you can ask us questions, go to ADHDrewire.com slash events or just click the events tab at the top of the page. That's ADHDrewire.com slash events. And we hope to see you there. All right, we are back. So... You are in a in a theater company, um, Interabang. Am I saying it right? Yeah, Interabang Theater Project. What, what does that mean, by the way? So, an Interabang is a question mark and an exclamation point. Ah, okay. Right? I did not know that until I joined the company. So, there for for all like the Harry Potter fans out there, there is a Harry Potter spoof book called Barry Trotter, and instead <sighs> of the lightning bolt on the, on the forehead, it's a Terabang on the forehead. That's amazing. How has nobody from my company seen that? Well, <laughs> we definitely will. It is like the that. worst, like funniest, like how did this get like published? Like it's basically just a bunch of fart jokes, the entire book. Like, <laughs> but it's great. If you love Harry Potter, it's like one of those things where it's so bad. It's amazing. That's great. All right. So, so talk about uh, this that your company. Yeah. So I joined in uh, 2015. And honestly, when I moved to Chicago from LA, 
part of my goal was to join a theater company. Um, I wanted to be part of a company that where I, I wasn't just an actor um, that got cast in things. I wanted to have a little bit of a say. I wanted to be an ensemble member. You know, it just, it just occurred to me, Sarah, that I don't mm-hmm. actually know what, what, what I, I, I've heard the, the phrase theater company like all the time. Like, yeah. I've heard, What does it actually mean? Sure. So um, a theater company kind of refers to um, the the staff and the ensemble that make up the group. So okay. it's a it is technically a company. Um, most are nonprofit. And uh, and you'll have, you know, you'll have a managing director, you'll have the artistic director, um, you've got the casting people, the literary manager. And so all these people then perform different shows throughout the season. Uh, potentially there's it, it, it kind of depends because the staff can sometimes just be staff or um, or they can be part of the ensemble and that can. And so I am an ensemble member, which means I am cast in a bunch of the plays and I have a say in our season and um, what the company does. Uh, But there's also playwrights and directors and um, uh, costume designers. You know, it takes a lot to put on a play. So it's like, yeah. So you've got all these designers, lighting, sets, like all that kind of stuff. So um, but Interbang is is pretty small. Um, I think the ensemble consists of like ten. I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. So this this raw, relevant, and uh, and rare. So talk talk about that. What like I, mean, yeah. I found I find that combination of things really compelling. Yeah. So I always say that Interbang produces theater that will punch you in the gut. Uh, make you laugh till you cry and uh, potentially leave you with a glimmer of hope or an action step Mm. at the end. And it will most definitely, my dream and what I've always, what I personally have brought to the company is I hope that people go to see shows at Interabang with a person that they knew or, or maybe it was like a stranger and then afterwards they go out for drinks and they talk about something they didn't expect to talk about. And they learn more about how that person feels about humanity. I am fascinated by the human condition and it baffles my mind that more people aren't. But I mean, that's just how I work. I'm just, I'm so fascinated by the nuances um, of humans. So, so if those people can go get to know each other better uh, on a deeper level, I feel like my job is done. What's been the most moving or memorable performance that you've done with this company? Oh gosh, there's been a few. Um, gosh, they. Uh, I guess I would have to talk about Amish Project because Amish Project was the one person show I did. And it wasn't actually through Interbang. It was done in San Antonio, Um, directed by my high school theater director, David Connolly, who is amazing, by the way. Um, And so this was back in 2016. And it went to Italy for a festival. um, And then we brought it to Chicago and Interabang produced it. And and that was the one, yeah, that was the one I got nominated for a, a Jeff Award for. And I mean, the fact that I... And that I have ADHD and I did, and I was on stage alone for an hour and 15 minutes playing seven different characters. Wow. Um, that's night something. after night uh, before I turned 30, like I, that's one of, I think the biggest accomplishments, um, of, of my life. I, I mean, I, I, and also it was just a really compelling story. Um, so Actually, I, had, I had a question about that when, when you said that, you know, doing this night after night, that is something that I've always been like, so just amazed by when you have these, these, uh, theater companies who like are performing maybe two times a day for months. And mm-hmm. when you see the performance, like it seems like this is the best experience they've ever had. And they're like in the hundredth performance of like, oh how, God. how do you, keep it interesting and exciting? Yeah, great question. So I am actually, the mostly the theater that I do tends to run from Thursday to Sunday. Okay. So at some of the big equity theaters and on Broadway, that's when you'll see like 
eight shows a week, <laughs> um, two show days. And there, I mean, oh my gosh, the, the musical theater, it, it is incredible. And we should all be in awe of those people doing that. Um, I will say that, you know, I, for Interbing, we tend to run for like five, five or six weeks. Um, Thursday through Sunday, we'll have two Saturday shows. Uh, and, and you do have to keep it interesting. My way of keeping it interesting is, is curiosity. Honestly, I know that may seem like a weird answer, but like I, I go away on my days off and I just, I just kind of think, I just kind of think about the character and think about moments and let it kind of sit and percolate in the back of my mind. Um, and I may make like new discoveries and I can't come in and change the whole show, but it'll, it just kind of, uh, injects some, some, um, excitement mm. to me. Hmm. Yeah, I know. I've always just found that fascinating. I, I, uh, I uh, occasionally will get uh, season tickets to uh, uh, Marriott, which I know you're, you're in the yeah. Chicago area, which is yeah. just a wonderful little uh, venue. It's there's not a bad seat in the house. Is it, uh, yeah. Have you have you been there? I haven't actually. Yeah, mm. I don't see. I don't see as much musical theater um, in the area. You don't get out um, to the burbs very much. Not as much. I, I mean, I've seen some stuff, um, but there's. There is so much theater in this city. It yes. is absurd, except not right now. Uh, so what are you doing right now? <laughs> oh my gosh, we are uh, mourning. I mean, we're we're grieving the, the theater community. Um, they just announced this week that uh, Broadway is uh, going dark, which means they're closed down until January third at the earliest. Uh, which probably means something similar for Chicago theater. Um, well, like, and that gave and, me like goosebumps hearing that. That's just yeah, like so. It's, it's, it's devastating. I don't think any of us saw it coming, and um, and and so so I think it is fair to say that we are grieving it. We are. We miss it. We miss um, hearing those stories. And live theater is just different from film. It is. That's why it's it's alive still. And um, and yeah. So we miss it. On the other hand, I'm okay. I'm I, like, honestly, I'm fine. I'm happy to take a break um, and do some other things. Like start a podcast? Like start a podcast. Because guess what? Like if I were acting all the time, if I were doing this and in a show and like trying to manage 10 different jobs, like I, I probably wouldn't have the time to sit down and devote to this. But because I'm in quarantine and, and a lot of other artists um, are in quarantine, it's been this great opportunity to connect with people. So let me ask you this. So come mm -hmm. come January, you, mm -hmm. you get the opportunity to uh, to write direct and act in in a play all about um the adhd artist mm. addressing issues around stigma mm -hmm. brainstorm with me a little bit what would that be about what would be some of the elements that you would want to make sure you had and mm. what would you call it <laughs> god oh that's just a dream of mine uh, and one day, because I don't know any plays about ADHD, maybe children with ADHD, you know, like family struggles, but no adult stuff. Uh, oh I actually my know someone who is who has done uh, Broadway, uh, is a Broadway singer who is actually working on a a uh, show for ADHD. I should really you should I put should me in touch with her. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. I mean, collaboration is one of my favorite things too. You know, brand, uh, two or three or. 10 brains are better than one. So, um, so yeah, I mean, for me, I would have to put ADHD medications somewhere in there and the struggle with that. I, it was funny cause, uh, I, in college I wrote like, I wrote some like poems or like in, in some songs and whatever. I'm not a musician, but I'm a singer. And so I like wrote some songs and I like titled the album. I looked back at it. I titled the album, um, confessions of a so-called superhero. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> I love that. And, but the idea behind it was kind of like, like, I was ashamed and scared that maybe people would look at me taking medication before performing as, um, as like steroids for athletes, you know, an athlete taking steroids, which it's not, it's just really not that. In fact, ADHD medications can really inhibit, uh, your acting sometimes and performance sometimes. So, uh, but I, I liked that idea. Um, if, 
if we were if we were to write a play about this, um, it would focus on the dark side for mm. sure. It would be a celebration, but it would be very vulnerable, and people would be have to be very real. Um, not, I'm not, I am not interested in surface level stuff. I'm just not. So it's, <laughs> it's not just about losing the keys. It's about the right. um, the, the dark stuff that people the addictions and the mm-hmm. um, the bankruptcies and the affairs and the. Right. The stuff that people don't like to talk about. Yeah, people like to write people with uh, people like like to write um, ADHDers off as like flaky or or forgetful or uh, goofy. Oh, they're they're so funny and blah 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 um, or uh, something like that. And and I'm just not as interested in that. I think there, it's fine if that exists and a musical could be written about that, and I would go see it and I would appreciate it. But that's not what I'm going to write. Um, Mm. So other than um, than your your new podcast, uh, the ADHD mm-hmm. artist, what else do yeah. you do and to sort of keep your kind of creative juices flowing and your mental health uh, healthy during the summer? Yeah. Uh, so I'm doing the Artist's Way, um, which is by Julie Cameron, um, and. Uh, it's my second time doing it, actually. But some friends and I actually from in Terabang, um, we decided to do it because it's the perfect time for it. And you have it's like a 12 week um, uh, project. I mean, you really you have to write three pages every every day. Wow. And um, yeah, it's a commitment. So so that's been really helpful. And it forces me to do things like, you know, take a dance class at home or um or just sing in the shower or one of my favorite things that I've done, uh, which anybody who's listening to this and needs like a creative boost, try this. So listen to a song, put or a whole album is what I did. Put a whole album on and get a bunch of markers or colored pencils or something and draw as you're listening to the music. Um, It is so incredibly refreshing it I feel like I just hit reset um on on myself and Mm. uh because it really forces you to listen pay attention and also create what album did you use oh god um I've been listening to there's a new Phoebe Bridgers album that uh I suggest uh that's a great one oh my gosh what kind of music is that so it's um it's singer songwriter. Yeah, she's a singer songwriter. Um, it's it's more mellow. Okay. Um, it can be very sad. Um, but it's beautiful. She's got such a beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like listening to Regina Spector because um, her I don't know if she has ADHD, but her voice it just goes in all these different directions, and she's like <laughs> she's got this like she's like this like colored sure soprano in this angel voice, but like such a weirdo she's such a weirdo and her music is so weird and so that's a lot of fun um to do so yeah have you ever done that before i don't think so i I don't think that i've drawn i mean i've certainly played music to be inspired to create Mm -hmm. music um But not specifically. However, I have been, uh, so over the last like year or so, I've been discovering that I can kind of draw, like yeah. just like look, if I look at something, I can, I can draw it, which is like, I never yeah. knew that I could do that. So I've been with, with my son, who's going to be nine. Um, mm. I've been drawing all like the, the, the Mario brothers like, characters and I am like regularly going, I can't believe I just did that. That's really good. Like, wow. Like, and so that's a fun thing to create something that you're like, wait, how did I do that? That's amazing. I certainly don't have that talent. Like I, I cannot, I can't focus on something and draw it, but I will say that I, in the last year or two, I I discovered my love for, I call them anxiety comics where the drawings can be terrible. It can be like stick figures, but then they're saying really funny things. And, and 
um, like thoughts that you have. And I, I do want to mention someone that inspired me, um, uh, was the reason I got into this. Um, her name is Connor Kelly Eiding. She lives in LA and, um, she's got this Instagram account that everybody should be following called feelings for days and days is like D A Y Y Y S. Um, and she, she struggles with anxiety and OCD. And it's just like these little figures of her, like her everyday, uh, like weird, anxious thoughts. That's great. And, and That's they're great. so relatable. And I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, you know, I always worry about like perfectionism. Like, does it have to be like a perfect, beautiful drawing? No, it does not. Just draw the thing. Just do it. And we'll, we'll, we'll link to all the things that you've been, uh, the artist. Oh, and, good, and, good. Yeah. In the show notes. Um, right. So Sarah, is there anything else that you would like to uh, share with, uh, with our listeners here uh, before we say goodbye? Yeah, I would just say, um, check out this podcast. Um, it's, it's somewhat new, um, and could use a little love, you know, if you have someone who, you know, is an artist with ADHD or not, or is just curious, like I think everyone should be. Um, I, I think we're having some really great conversations on there. Uh, and I, I don't want anyone to miss them. I, I'm just kind of the, I, I started the thing, I produced the thing, but really it's about like celebrating these other voices, these Mm. other ADHD artists who are fascinating. They're amazing. And I just want everyone in the world to hear them. That's awesome. So the, the podcast is say it again and tell us your website. It's called the ADHD artist podcast. Um, And you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, it's on, I have an Instagram account, uh, that's the ADHD artist pod, um, that I'm, I'm pretty active on, uh, with Facebook, Stitcher, Apple, uh, Spotify, all the places, all the places. Yeah. Check us out. Sarah guys, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. <sighs> Thank you. It was so nice to connect with you. Likewise. And I hope that you're going to tell me in like a week or two that you did not get COVID. I, I have a feeling I will. We'll see because I have an antibody. Uh, I took an antibody test. So I should find out later in the week. And if that's the case, I mean, you know, who knows? But what a wor- what a world we're living in. What a world. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah Guys, the ADHD Artist Podcast. Check it out. <laughs> Thank you. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tibbers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. And you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast 
for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel van der Kolk, 10% Happier, and Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. It's one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books. And I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books, starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability, and if you're an entrepreneur or a leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, you would be so kind to make that connection for me. I will be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tibbers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.